Hey friends, welcome to today's edition of Save the Drama for Your Shama. Um, so this is a different episode. This is one thing I did promise was that I was going to talk to you about the SAG after election results. Um, so that's going to be today's episode. And then the Candyman episode that I did promise you is coming. I'm actually taking the advice of some of the film critics, which said watch the first Candyman and then immediately after watch the second, the newest one. Um, so my ultimate plan is going to be after Labor Day when everybody's back to work and school and the theaters are a lot less populated, um, I'm going to go and watch the new um, film. So like I'll watch the old film and then I'll watch the new film, come back and record that episode. So Thank you for your patience. I promise you that's coming. Um, it's just a matter of uh, scheduling. So let's dig into the SAG after election results because it's very interesting. And the reason why I really, really want to speak on it and speak so passionately about it is because I consider myself to be a fairly new member of this union. So um, there's people that have been in the union since they were children and they're adults now. There are people who um, fought for years to finally get that Taft-Hartley voucher, which is what we get in order to be eligible for the Screen Actors Guild. Um, there's people that were SAG eligible and it took them forever to pull together the money, which is what happened to me in my case. Um, so I got SAG eligible back in 2017 and I couldn't pull the cash together until 2020 when coronavirus hit and we got that first stimulus check and it finally pushed me over the edge to be able to join the union. So that's how I got in. Um, and like we have members that are very young up to senior citizens and, um, it's not a big union. I think from what they were saying, like we have maybe 160,000 union members, maybe. Um, so it's not a big union and even like a lot of the big stars that you see on screen, like, um, for example, like Tom Hanks, um, Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, um, I'm trying to, I'm like thinking of like, you know, people that are nominated for Oscars and stuff like just, um, you know, like people that you see in a lot of these big films are SAG after members, just like myself. So we're all part of the same union and it's not a big union. Um, so, with that being said, I feel like I have some good insight being somebody that was on the outside now looking in, you know what I mean? And just, like, giving you kind of my perspective um, from someone who is just now getting engaged with union activities but I've also been kind of separated from it. You know what I mean? I'm 38 years old. I really haven't been in this industry for that long. I would say I'm probably 
year seven actually doing work as an actor. Um, but I really didn't start getting active until about 2016. So, um, yeah, like, I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not as, um, hard pressed as maybe some of my counterparts who have always wanted to be an actor, who've always wanted to work in this industry, you know what I mean? Like that, like they knew from the jump that this is something that they wanted to do. I came in much later in life. You know what I mean? I didn't really embark on this until I was in my thirties. I had a whole regular life as a regular working adult, had normal jobs. Um, so like for me, it's just a little bit of, um, just a different headspace. So I hope that I'm able to uh, explain this properly, especially for those of you who um, are non-actors, who maybe are interested in wanting to get involved, um, or just, you know, interested in the process, even though that's not something that you would ever want to pursue yourself, you know. So like, hopefully I'm able to like properly educate you. And let's get started. So the election results came in for all of the locals and the national election. And let me break it down to you like this. So if you've ever been a part of a union yourself, I actually was a part of a different union last year when I had to work at a grocery store just to keep my money up while everything was locked down. Um, I ended up getting enrolled in the United Commercial Food Workers Union. Um, and you have to. When you're a grocery store employee, that like you are required to join the union. That's a big part of it. Um, and the same goes if you're like a plumber, if you're a glass fitter, um, you know, do anything in construction. Uh, you know, there's the Teamsters. There's the police union, though um, we're not going to talk too much about the police union. But ultimately, like a, a lot of these industries, especially um, that require labor, have have their own union. And the reason why we have these unions is like to help um, not get hosed by our employers while we're trying to do work and making sure that we are getting our benefits, we are getting our protections, and we are getting properly paid. So ours is a little bit different from a traditional union because you, they usually do locals by numbers. So like I was part of the UCFW local 27, right? So just for the area that I was in, that's the local that I was in. And they usually do it by numbers. SAG-AFTRA is a little bit different because we do it by regions. So instead of um, a local 26 or a local number five, it's the New York local. It's the Ohio-Pittsburgh local. It's the uh, Seattle local. It's the, you know what I mean? Like it's the Atlanta local. Um, and it usually doesn't just cover like whatever major city is there. It covers a huge broad spectrum of an area. 
I personally am a part of the Philadelphia local. Even though I'm from northern Delaware, it covers the entire state of Delaware. So the Philly local covers pretty much all of southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, and the entire state of Delaware. So that that's how they break up those unions. And then the National Board, which is based out of Los Angeles because the headquarters are in Los Angeles, even though there is a specific Los Angeles local and they don't work together, you know what I mean? In the sense that like uh, the Los Angeles local isn't making the decisions for everybody else in the rep in the country. That's what the national board does and it's its own entity. Um, that being said, the Los Angeles local and the national board clash fairly regularly, at least um, since I have been a part of it, they have. So this, this is how they broke down um, the elections. So last night, the votes got tabulated. And Fran Jasher took over for Gabrielle Carteris as president. And Jolie Fisher is the secretary treasurer. Now, uh, we only had two union factions run for these elections. Normally, you would have more. And with a union, they're apolitical. So it doesn't matter who you vote for in, like, a U.S. governmental election what matters is is that how you vote in the interest of the union. So normally it's very apolitical. So either side has like um like left leaning, right leaning, independent, green party, like it doesn't matter. You can be part of a faction regardless of what your governmental voting ideology is because it's it's just a different type of voting because it's based upon the issues within our union. Um, so I'll give you my personal opinion right now. I'm not exactly thrilled about the way the election results went. Um, I'm happy that Jolie Fisher is the secretary treasurer. I'm not exactly thrilled about Fran Drescher being our sag after president. And I will break that down in a little bit because I pulled up an article that I wanted to read for you as well. Um, but I just wanted to first go over the overall numbers of what happened in this election because um, this was the part that bothered me was the actual voting process, not who was voted for right? Um, so just giving you the fair warning right now, if you are not interested in numbers, this is going to get really friggin' tedious. And then you can push ahead to the second half of the episode where I kind of like go into the more verbal stuff in my own personal opinion. Um, but right now, this first half is going to be all about numbers. So I apologize now for the rest of you that are very interested. Like, stick with me, babes. Like, because we're really, really digging in. So, as I said, Fran Drescher won SAG after president. Taking over President Gabrielle Carteris's, uh reign as president. So she earned... Um, 
16,958 votes. Her uh, opponent was Matthew Modine. He earned 15,371 votes, okay? Julie Fisher earned 18,547 votes, and the margin between her and Anthony Rapp, who they both ran for secretary treasurer and, and Fisher came out as the um as the winner. Anthony Rapp got thirteen thousand five hundred and ninety-three votes. Okay, so that seems like a lot, but here's the problem. They sent out one hundred and twenty-two thousand one hundred and fifty-four ballots. So our of our entire voting body, like they sent over a hundred and twenty thousand ballots, but only thirty-two thousand three hundred and sixty-two ballots were returned. So the uh, voting percentage ended up overall being twenty-six point forty-nine percent that voted. Okay, and that was kind of the general consensus across the locals. I'm going to go over the locals um, one by one. Like I said, there's a lot of numbers. If this is boring to you, I am so sorry. For the rest of you, stick with me because this should piss you off. Um, I'm starting with the Philly local first. Everything else is in alphabetical order except for the Philly local. And the only reason why I'm saying the Philly local first is because that's my local. So out of 2,176 ballots mailed, we only returned 548 ballots and our percentage was 25.18%. That is some bullshit. I'm I'm just saying, like, I think that's embarrassing for our region, um, but let's continue. Uh, Arizona, Utah had 986 mailed, 230 returned, with a percentage of 23.33%. For Atlanta, we had 2,576 mailed, only 540 returned. Their percentage was a little bit lower at 20.96%. Okay. Chicago. When I saw this, I was like, oh my God, are you serious? So Chicago had 4,140 ballots mailed. 893 of those got returned and the percentage was 21.57%. For Colorado, they had 600 ballots mailed, 145 returned, 23.83%. Okay. I wrote, I hand wrote, and I used um, my computer for the script today. So if you hear pages moving in the background, sorry. Um, Dallas Fort Worth, nine hundred seventy eight mailed, one hundred seven or one hundred sixty seven returned. Excuse me, at sixteen point zero five percent. Okay, atrocious. So the only local out of everything that I'm going to list here. Hawaii had the highest margin. So they had 1,027 ballots mailed, 343 returned, and their percentage was 33.40%. Houston, Austin area, they got 1,051 mailed, 193 got returned at 18.36%. Los Angeles, which obviously that was going to be the biggest local because that's where everybody moves out to um, to work. So they had 59,974 ballots mailed, 
with only 13,728 returned, and their margin was 22.89%. That's sad. Like, honestly, <laughs> like, they had the most union members, and their percentage was still pretty low. You know, lower than Philly. Like, uh, lower than Hawaii. That's wild, okay? Um, so, Miami had 3,138 mailed, 649 returned. Their percentage was 20.68%. Michigan had 778 mailed, 193 returned, 24.81%. The Missouri Valley had 827 ballots mailed, 174 returned. Their percentage was 21.04%. Nashville had 1,402 ballots mailed. They had 211 ballots returned at 15.05%. Um, I'm trying to remember, are they the lowest? Yes, they, they had the lowest percentage. Nevada had 997 ballots mailed, 226 returned, 22.67%. New England, 2,783 mailed, 757 returned, 27.20%. New Mexico, 772 mailed, 225 returned, 29.15%. New Orleans, 734 mailed, 235 returned, 32.02%. New York had the second highest um, numbers for sag after members. So they had 27,787 ballots mailed, only 628 were returned, or 6,028 were returned, forgive me, um, at 21.69%. Ohio, Pittsburgh area had 420 mailed, 100 was returned, 23.81%. Portland had 829 mailed, 219 returned, 26.42%. San Diego. 1,032 were mailed, 230 were returned, 22.29%. The San Fran, North California area, 3,844 were mailed, 822 were returned, 21.38%. Seattle, 1,233 were mailed, 227 were returned, 18.41%. The Twin Cities area, 520, ugh, sorry, getting so tongue-tied. Twin Cities, 542 were mailed, 136 were returned, 25.09%. And then lastly, the Washington, D.C., Mid-Atlantic area, 4,355 were mailed, 954 were returned at 21.91%. Um... So, let me just start by saying this, okay? This is different from voting for a governmental body in the United States, okay? Um, for those of us that live here, because we're born into it, it's usually just like a regular old 
uh, two-party system, you know, as soon as you're a working adult, you have to pay taxes. Like, there's just already requirements just by the fact of being born in the United States and what you have to do in regards to voting and in regards to living here. Uh, but SAG-AFTRA is different in the sense that this is related to a job. So you actually volunteer to be a part of this union. You pay to be in this union. And the enrollment fee is high, depending on whether you stick to just the smaller locals or you do the national membership. You're paying thousands of dollars to join. And then on top of that, you pay a fee every year to maintain in good standing with the union in order to continue to work. Um, so what blows my mind is the fact that with that information that these percentages aren't higher. Um, truth be told, it should be more like 50 to 60% return on the ballots, not 25%. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, in addition to the fact that I am willing to give grace and space to some of the performers that maybe passed away this year and that information hasn't been updated in the system that they have passed. So a, a ballot was just mailed out to their house that never got returned. I also give grace and space to the fact that we do have a lot of young performers. So even though, yes, technically they're part of the voting body, if they're five years old, they don't care about this election and the parents may not be as well educated in it. It because they're just more focused on making sure that their kid is okay. So like in those instances, you know, I give them grace or space. Like even um, in addition to performers that maybe aren't physically able to perform anymore. So they're not as active in it. Um, so like there's not as much participation anymore, uh, people that have ultimately said, okay, well, I'm just going to pay the fee. So I have this as a backup, but this is not my jam anymore. Um, so I'm not a part of it. So with all of those factors, and I gave a lot of factors, um, to, uh, why somebody wouldn't vote it should still roughly be about 50% of the voting body. So the reason why it's so low really, really bothers me because of the fact that it's like we pay to participate in this union. And the decisions made by these people really do affect us as far as our pay is concerned. Um, last year, there was a huge vote on the new health care plan of which I couldn't participate because I had just enrolled and I was still paying in the enrollment period, so I wasn't eligible to vote just yet for that. But I was getting mailings and videos from people that either were in support of the new health care plan and people that were against it and the reasons why they were. Um, so it's, it's not for lack of trying, but it just makes it really curious as to what you think... Um, 
Like, what must be going through somebody's head where it's like, oh, yay, like, I'm a part of the union. And and I've made jokes about this on my social media before where it's like you have these people that, like, they want all their pay. They want all their overtime. They want to make sure they get all their meal penalties if they work more than 16 hours, making sure that they get their golden time. You know what I mean? Like, making sure they get their smoke pay. Like, you know, like, we're looking at the dollars and cents, but for some reason, like, there, we can't be bothered to put in a ballot <laughs> for those people that make sure that, like, we have those protections still and to make sure that, like, we're getting the proper pay. It just doesn't... I don't, I just don't understand that. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just built different. Maybe I'm just not like those other girls, but it it just blows my mind that there's very minimal effort on that part. Um, So I'm going to take a break and then when we come back, I'm going to talk about why this election got so ugly, why I'm a little bit displeased with how the election went, and I will see you in a moment. Okay, so I am back. Um, I hope that you're able to take a nice three-second break. Um, so as far as the reason why I was a little bit put off by this, and this is relevant to the article in the um, the uh, voting materials I'm going to read to you, um, is the fact that I don't have anything personal against Fran Drescher. Um, I love that show, The Nanny. I know she's been um, in a few other things as well, but I think it's just the fact that... Um, last year, pretty much at the height of the lockdown, she started peddling uh, conspiracy theories about 5G technology causing coronavirus. And uh, I I wasn't really hip to that. Just just being honest. Um, because like, this union um is still kind of a business like we like we are in the entertainment business um we are trying to make sure that like that the people get paid um that they're able to afford health insurance that they're able to get all the benefits that they can from being a part of the union um and especially the healthcare like that that's the big thing for me so when you're peddling misinformation especially about a virus that is pretty much taking out a lot of the U.S. population um some of the performers included it it just feels kind of like a spit in the face and so the fact that people voted for her and I feel like that it may have been more of like a popularity contest in the fact that it's like, oh my gosh, she's in a nanny, she's so funny, compared to Matthew Modine, who is um, you know, like I guess I would consider Matthew Modine um to not really be as on the radar, even though he's like a frequently working actor and I see him in everything, but you know what I mean? Like he, he just doesn't necessarily have the charisma like Fran does. Um, but 
like I felt like there was a little bit more organization there. That doesn't mean that I'm in love with either party. Let me just put it to you like that right now. Like if it's one of those things where, and I'm not making any promises by the way, just letting you all know this, um, but it's one of those things where it's like if like I really stick with it and I'm in the union and I'm like, you know what? Like there's some, there needs to be some change and some overhaul. Like if it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to run for local office. Like I would run on under a completely different party. I'm just <laughs> like, <laughs> just letting everybody know I, I don't have any plans like that. Do not freak out fellow SAG after performers. If you're like, who the hell is this girl? Why is she running? Like, don't worry. Like, I'm just saying that like, if it came to that, it would be under a completely different party because like, my perspective would just be a little bit different. So, um, uh, I I don't want you to think that it's like, oh my gosh, I hate Fran Drescher. I totally love Matthew Modine. That's not the case here. It's just the simple fact that out of the two candidates that were offered to me, um, Matthew Modine made a little bit more sense and he wasn't out here peddling goofy shit you know, peddling misinformation. So I really um, wasn't too pleased with that. Um, In addition to the fact that some of the campaign literature that I had read um, from either faction, and this is going with all of the candidates um, in my Philly local, uh, for the New York local, the Los Angeles local, the national board, um, you can definitely tell by the campaign literature that um, the Unite for Strength party that Fran Drescher and Anthony Rapp were a part of um, and the way in which they were speaking, it just sounded like... um, uh, complacency. And I've told you before, like, I can kind of pick up the vibes on, like, people and stuff. And just even, like, when you read stuff, you can kind of catch a vibe, like, where um, people's heads are at. And it just seems very blasé and very la-ti-da. And they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, everything's great. Everything's fine. Um, I know, like, Fran Drescher was like, we can unite our dysfunctional and divided union. But there really wasn't any, like, hard issues that they were really speaking on. It was just like, everything's fine or great, or we'll just make it better. But there was no really, there was no real specifications as to what they were going to do to make it better. Whereas the membership first party, which Matthew Modine and Jolie Fisher were a part of, were like, hey, this healthcare bill, um, this healthcare plan that we passed was shit. Uh, you know, there's not enough protections in regards to sexual harassment on set. Uh, there's issues here, like with um, the lack of respect and regard for stunt performers, for background performers, things of that nature. So because they were a little bit more straight to the facts as far as like the um, the problems that are affecting us in this union, that's the reason why I went with them. Because let's just be honest. Um, Even though, yes, I did talk about the fact that we have these big stars in the Screen Actors Guild Union. The majority of the voting body 
um, are background performers like myself, you know what I mean? And that's not to say that, like, I couldn't have a bigger, like, principal role or co-star role or guest star role later where I have a speaking part, but as a, as it stands right now, I am a background actor. I do stand-in work, I do background work, nobody hears me talk on screen, I, like, literally only have two films that I'm a part of that I talked in. One was an independent film back when I was a non-union actor, um, and the other one was a student film back when I was a non-union actor. So, like, you know, I'm just saying that, like, I'm not a big star. And, like, there's a lot of people like myself out there who are just not, um, in that upper echelon, and we make up a bigger portion of the voting body within this union. That's why I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't more of us out there voting because we actually have more power than Tom Hanks. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have more power than Viola Davis. We have more power than Amy Adams. So, like, um, that's all. That's the reason why I was a little bit uh, put off by that and why I was a bit put off by Fran. Um, like I said, I don't dislike her. You know what I mean? I'm sure that she's like a very sweet, kind person. Um, I don't have a problem with Anthony Rapp. It was just the way that the literature um, and the messaging that came about and what I was reading all the way up to this election where I was just like, holy crap, like, this is kind of a mess and it's not really a party that I feel is in alignment with what I think should be going on within this union because I pay into this union <laughs> and I participate in this union and it's like, I'm trying to make sure that, like, the things, um, the benefits about joining this union and why I fought so hard to be here um, that I'm getting the benefit of. Like, the fact of the matter is, is that last year, our healthcare plan prior to me voting, right? Um, but last year, you used to make, and I'm not going to give the exact numbers because I don't remember what the exact number is anymore. I'm going to give a general number. Um, but you used to be able to make like $18,000 in earnings. That's like your earnings on a job related to SAG. So you couldn't just like have your SAG gigs and then wait tables on the side and make $18,000. It had to all come from SAG earnings uh, to be able to qualify for the health insurance. And um, I'm not saying like I'm buku dollars, whatever, but for a, like a hot minute, at least from this past year, like I could have achieved that, you know what I mean? So by the end of December, I would qualify based upon the old healthcare plan to be able to get uh, full coverage health insurance. I can't do that. The, the price jumped. So now it's like closer to like twenty six or twenty seven thousand dollars so it's that it's nearly a ten thousand dollar jump in income um but yet the pay raise is like only five dollars per sag minimum rate for um pretty much every uh project so like um it like bumped up by five dollars for the background rate for the stand in rate for um you know, co-star role, depending on um, whatever the 
season the show is in, uh, the theatrical rates, um, whatever the low budget rates are for um, a lot of these projects, because you can be in SAG after and be part of a low budget film as long as it fits within the agreement. So it's not like you're um, like we have a huge jump in our pay to be able to cover um, the SAG after a, a insurance plan. And it got so bad that there were. Um, a number of casting directors that I saw online that were saying um, that were putting the word out for SAG after members who currently have the health insurance. So not like myself, because I haven't even qualified for it yet. But for people that actually did have it and that were actors, like they wanted to put you on a roster the casting directors did so that way um they can try to fit you into some of those co-star and bigger speaking part roles just so you can make the money to be able to um qualify for the health insurance so it got it kind of got bad and so um it it's disturbing that like in the process of this election that you have one party that's just like, oh, everything's hunky-dory. <laughs> and the other party's like, oh my god, it costs like a million dollars to get health insurance now and this isn't helping anyone. So that that's the reason why I voted the way that I did because I basically got screwed over. Like, there's no way in hell um, in, the, in the coming year that I'm going to be able to qualify for the new health insurance plan. And and just to give you perspective, like, like uh, just being honest, being fair, I'm kind of a broke bitch. So I'm on Medicaid right now, um, or not Medicaid, Medicare right now. And it's just like, um, nothing wrong with that. But like, because of the earnings that I made this year, I'm not going to be able to apply for Medicare in this upcoming year. So like, I still need health insurance because my body's falling apart. And it's like, I I don't qualify because I didn't make enough in the earnings to be able um, to be able to qualify for this insurance. You know what I mean? Um, like I said, I'm from Northern Delaware. If I lived in New York where there was more project shooting, I could probably like earn that in like doing background work pretty much every day if I got picked, but I wouldn't be able to do that in the region that I'm in currently. And I do work a lot in my region, just not enough to be able to earn $26,000. So like it, 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 I really took a hit. And so, um, that's just where my head is at. And that's the way that I voted. And for those of us that did vote, um, I feel like, especially for those of us that voted for Jolie Fisher as secretary treasurer, because even though Anthony Rapp and Fran Drescher ran together and Jolie Fisher and Matthew Modine ran together, they're still kind of separate entities. It's almost like voting for your governor and lieutenant governor. They don't necessarily run together. You know what I mean? Um, they, they're kind of separate entities that just run and then they get voted. It's kind of the same function. So, which is why we have a blend of our leadership. So even though Fran Drescher is part of Unite for Strength, Jolie Fisher is part of um, Membership First. So we actually have a mix of the two. And that's the only thing that doesn't quite give me anxiety because I feel like, and I'm not completely putting my faith in Jolie Fisher, 
but there is a better chance of her holding Fran's feet to the fire and making sure that, um, you know, that we, we are really working in the best interests of the union instead of um, the best interests of the faction. You know what I mean? So um, with that being said, let me talk about the fact that leading up to this election, it got really friggin' ugly. Like, there was even, um, talks of, like, defamation. Uh, there is an, uh, issue, I think, like, back in the earlier part of August, where, um, KTLA, uh, did some, um, like, did an interview, uh, with the candidates, and they gave more time to the membership first candidates than they did to the Unite for Strength candidates, um, which wasn't any of the candidates' fault. It was actually on the on behalf of KTLA that they were supposed to get equal time. But of course, like uh, the membership first people got blamed for it. Um, there's also like some a little bit of mudslinging. So um, I'm going to read this article. This is from Deadline.com because if I don't quote um, the Hollywood Reporter or Variety, I'm quoting Deadline. Um, and this article is written by David Robb. This is um, posted on August 16th, 2021. So the headline is SAG after election turns ugly as allegations and threats of lawsuits fly between feuding camps. And it starts by saying, the battle for control of SAG-AFTRA has turned ugly with allegations of threats of lawsuits flying between the feuding factions. Unite for Strength, the union's ruling party, is calling on Matthew Modine and his membership first opposition party to publicly denounce the rhetoric of hate allegedly espoused by unnamed supporters of his who sit on the union's boards of directors. Membership first, in turn, is threatening legal action. In a tweet on Sunday, Unite for Strength said, we challenge Matthew Modine and Membership First to publicly renounce and discontinue harboring the Membership First board members who denied George Floyd's murder, amplified death threats, joined up with the Nexium cult, threatened to shoot supporters of vaccination requirements, called the January 6th insurrection a setup by paid operators, falsely spread that Black Lives Matter is a hate group funded by George Soros, and voted against the task force to increase diversity in the stunt community. Uh, we condemn this rhetoric of hate. So then, um, this was the quote by... Um, Membership first. We have no response to this bullshit, a membership first source told Deadline. The lawyers are involved and they're dealing with it. Let them name names and they better start putting all of their properties in trust. It's all bullshit. They won't debate the issues. So let me just stop there before I like read anything else. Um, like I said, this is an apolitical union. So doesn't matter if, like, you're Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Independent, Libertarian, like, like, Bull Moose Party, uh, I'm literally pulling out an old party from the early 1900s, but, like, it, it, that doesn't matter in this voting body because it's based upon factions, it's apolitical. So what I found interesting about that is, like, yeah, I'm sure there's probably, like, a crazy right-winger in the membership first party. Once again, like I said, I'm, I don't really have super party allegiance. I just voted based upon what the issues were. That being said, it's kind of one-sided 
because I've definitely seen some of the people that ran, ran on both sides of the parties, and I've seen some right-wingers on Unite for Strength uh, ballot, too, where I was just kind of like, ooh, uh, um, I'm not sure that this is the best person <laughs> to be a part of the group, and I have said that for Unite for Strength and for Membership First when I was talking over it with a friend of mine. So, like, just want to make that clear. Um, and so, I, yeah, I'm kind of not in disagreement with either party where it's like, hey, if that's really the case, name names. Because, like, we don't want those people, especially those that called, um, that were in agreement of the January 6th insurrection. Cause even I put out a complaint letter that I was just like, um, cause you know, the former president of the United States was a SAG after member and they actually voted him out and he ended up resigning instead of like getting kicked out. Cause there was supposed to be a second vote. And normally SAG after wouldn't get involved except for the fact that with this insurrection, they were um, uh, calling for, uh, our former president was calling for attacks, or not necessarily specifically calling for attacks, but just saying that, like, the media shouldn't be trusted, journalists shouldn't be trusted, and the problem with that is that a lot of uh, televised journalists are also sag after members, so you're basically inciting um, violence towards your fellow sag after members, which is not okay, um, and that's the reason why, um, like, there was a vote to push him out. I personally wrote a letter because there were some people within the um, Philly local and across the nation that I felt that, you know what I mean, if, if we're holding that person's feet to the fire, then there's also members of, of our union who are in agreement with our former president and in agreement with, you know, calling for the harm of our fellow sag after members that are journalists, um, that should also not be there. You know what I mean? Like, it, like if you um, are spouting all sorts of N-words and, and, and threatening um, people of color on social media and, like, you literally uh, work for the teacup company and the teacup company finds out, they fire you, right? So like you lose your job. So I kind of feel like that's the same way for the union. And for me, that was across the board. It did not matter. I don't care what faction you were a part of. If that was something that you agreed with, like I didn't feel that you should be there, plain and simple. Um, but that's just my feeling and that's my thoughts on it. So let's continue um, with the article. Last month, one of the unnamed accused tweeted of the COVID-19 vaccination that over half the U.S. population is continuing to say no to this unapproved experimental gene therapy and that hashtag Second Amendment is for this. Several others who are referenced posted retweets of other parties' tweets, which does not necessarily signify an endorsement of their views. James Wool, an attorney for, the local, for a local board member who was photographed seated next to an alleged Nexium cult member said that the voto is completely out of context. Guilt by association does not sit well with me. You happen to be sitting next to somebody and they take a picture of you and that implies association? It's horrible. 
Ben Whitehair, a, UF, a UFS leader and national board member, joined the thread calling for membership first to renounce these supporters. It's truly devastating to see this kind of behavior in our SAG after boardrooms. Entirely unacceptable. To my fellow members, please vote Unite for Strength so we can bring kindness back to the boardroom, focus on the issues that matters, and keep us all going back to work. Anthony Rapp, who was presidential candidate Fran Drescher's, um, shit, my laptop bounced. Oh, come on, stop moving with the advertisement. Okay, presidential um, candidate Fran Drescher's running me on the Unite for Strength ticket also joined the thread. Yes, please, any leader of membership first, especially Matthew Modine and Ms. Julie Fisher, please uh, address these concerns. Unite for Strength provided deadline with screenshots of articles, tweets, and Facebook posts that identify the alleged offenders, although members from both camps have said, tweeted, and retweeted questionable comments during the pandemic. Membership First supporters pointed out recently that Drescher, a cancer survivor and president of Cancer Schmancer, has linked 5G, the fifth generation technology for broadband cellular networks, to cancer. I can't believe all the commercials for 5G, she tweeted in May 2020, more than a year before she announced her candidacy. Great for cancer, harming birds, bees, um, bees, and more viruses like corona. Dial it back. Keep it simple. And be a mindful consumer the cancer schmancer way. Make what you buy your vote and what you don't buy your protest. We can do this. God is speaking. Let's listen. Um, yeah. <laughs> that is the tweet that I saw that I was just like, ooh, Fran, what are you doing? And like I said, she's the one running for president, okay? All right. So it prompted Twitter to post a notice on her tweet saying, no 5G is causing coronavirus. Um, numerous people have been spreading unsubstantiated stories about 5G technology being linked to the spread of COVID-19. The theory has been debunked by several reputable sources, including government officials and experts in the tech and medical industries. On Saturday, when the undecided voter mentioned this on Twitter, Francis Fisher, a national board member and membership first leader, tweeted, Amen. Modine has re- hasn't responded to UFS challenge yet, but issued one of his own. He and Rapp have been tweeting back and forth about union health coverage, which has become one of the main issues in the election, and earlier today, Modine invited Rapp to join him in a town hall to discuss health care. I invite you to a public town hall where we can discuss your point of view and the members can hear it publicly, Modine said. I'm, curr- I'm currently filming, but will avail myself. Drescher and Modine, meanwhile, both say they support the union's guidelines for mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations on film and television productions. While vaccinations are a crucial component towards scaling back the COVID-19 virus, they're not 100% effective in preventing us from catching COVID or spreading it, she said last month. This is why hospital protocols continue to require masks for all patients to be tested for COVID, regardless of whether the patient was vaccinated prior to admittance. We should all share the goal of eliminating COVID in this country until we do following the additional SAG after safety protocols, such as mask wearing, testing, and physical distancing is essential, especially since mask wearing continues to be either imposed or encouraged in many areas while some are experiencing outbreaks and increased cases. 
On Saturday, Modine tweeted, I support our industry-wide COVID and vaccine protocols. We believe in the science. It's in everyone's best interest to have the safest sets possible. And membership first stands behind COVID safety, including employers' discretion to require everyone who can be fully vaxxed. To which Dresher responded, I said that about a month ago. What took you so long? Earlier today, he tweeted, let's fix the foundational problems within our union and erase the division. On, sad- on Sunday, he and other leaders of his slate held a three-and-a-half Zoom meeting, three-and-a-half-hour Zoom town hall, um, to discuss the issues in the ongoing election. That meeting, he tweeted, was open to Dresher and Rapp, but unfortunately, they did not choose to participate. Other UFS members did and gave Membership First high marks for our openness and transparency. So, and it, like... There was, like, a lot more than that. Like, it got really catty. Like, I'm not going to go too, too, too much into it. But, like, it was just a lot of back and forth where I kind of felt like there was pettiness on all sides. Once again, I'm an outsider looking in. So I'm just kind of like, we are professionals. Like, we should have some better conduct than this. Um... So I'm not really cool with what everybody um, was doing and how they behaved. It's just, it was just weird. I don't know. There, There's just a lot of stuff about this union where even though it's like, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yes, I'm um, participating in union activities. Yes, I do want to make sure like um, that, you know what I mean, that like, we're getting the proper pay and the proper care and everything like that. Like, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And it's just like, like, is this who we are? Because I feel like we should behave better than this. And that's just the way that I view it. Um, So we have yet to see this is a two year term. So, um, and the uh, newly elected officials were installed today. So Fran Drescher and Jolie Fisher are straight to work. Um, All of the local board members are all straight to work. Um, And we shall see. We shall see how these next two years go. Maybe I'll, maybe I will be pissed off and then I'll start running for local office. Who knows? But like, for now, like, I just want to see where exactly we head with this and maybe get some new headway, um, maybe make some progress, you know, and we'll go from there. So that's the end of this run. Um, Definitely coming back with um, the review of Candyman. I'm also um, probably going to push off the verbatim Shakespeare segment for now because I completely forgot that No Time to Die comes out on September 30th. And I do want to revisit my James Bond run because that was one of the things that I had um, when this show was actually filmed and on YouTube. And I feel like like we as a collective should uh, revisit that and have a little bit of fun with it. So, um, and I also want to review The Eyes of Dammy Faye because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings and I only watched the trailer so far. So I want to give the film a chance before I say what I really want to say. Um, and those are the things that I have planned 
uh, upcoming. So stay tuned until then. Thank you so much for tuning in to this long rant. I appreciate you and I will talk to you later.